Mist Cues is recorded on the traditional and unceded territory of the Katsi, Kwantlen, Lumi, Tsuwasan, and Wasanich peoples, and also in the Treaty 7 territory, the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy, Tanaha, Miti, and Sutina peoples. So welcome to Missed Cues, the podcast where we talk about theater over drinks. I am Kate Stadel, and with me as always is our incredible co-host Tom. Well, I've never, I've, I've actually never said that before. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Um, just credible. 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 Barely. I would say barely credible. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, today we have a special uh, triple co-host. We've got Patty Pond with us from Calgary Arts Development. Thank you for coming. Hi, Patty. Welcome. Welcome to Missed Q. So Patty's been given the rundown of how we do things around here. So we will start with Patty. Patty, do you have a drink that you're joining us with today? Well, I, I'm probably going to have let people down, but I, I have a, a diet ginger ale. Nice. That's totally fine. My, my COVID drink has been diet soda, and it's probably terrible for me, and I'm going to pay for it at some point in time. <laughs> but uh, that's what's kept me going, among other things. But that's been my go-to. Tom and I had Our several bodies. episodes where we talked about ginger ale and how Canada Dry actually has no ginger in it. And oh yeah, <laughs> and we had. I many- found out about it on this show. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Um, Tom, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I have another beer. Uh, this time I have the can as well, so I will remember the name of the beer. It's Thirty Three Acres of Sunshine, uh, which is. A French Blanche. Oh, that so that's my good, beer actually. today. Yeah, like I, I, I like these uh, these Blanches. I think I've got, I've got some feedback going. Is that me? No. Can you hear feedback? No. no. Okay. I, I like these these Blanches. They're 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 nice. But I was telling Chrissy, like they're the kind of beer that I like having at other people's houses, right? Because then you can just have one. It's like, oh, that's nice and refreshing. Thank you very much. And then I'll go back to my regular ales. But no, I got a case of them now, so that's fine. Oh, well, there you go. Cause just tonight. It's not, tonight. Just it's not like tonight. you're going over anybody's house anytime soon, so that's fine. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. Uh, what are you I, drinking? Well, normally I drink what I call diet liquor. Patty, uh, I drink the vodka sodas. <laughs> that's been my COVID drink, but um, uh-huh. I thought I'd switch it up for you tonight. I've got the um, purple gin and soda, so it's Empress Gin. It's quite lovely. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's kind I of a the, cool color. The pink gin I saw at a... Uh, uh, a friend's place and it I couldn't believe it's like wow it it comes in that color Mm -hmm. and then apparently if you add some mix it actually turns it a different color or something and I was like oh the things people come up with when they're (laughs) in lockdown right (laughs) this is true apparently which I don't buy this because I think there's too much of it out there it's made from the petunias that grow on the side of the Empress Hotel in Victoria which I don't think it's true (laughs) (laughs) But chalk it up with Canada Dry. There you ginger. go. It's like <laughs> very, all very marketing. true. Um, so Tom has a game for us tonight. So we'll mm. play a quick game to warm ourselves up, and we'll dive into our conversation. Great. I do. So this is a game that I've been seeing all over the internet, and it's perfect for podcasts. Uh, the game is this: uh, What are the l- six last emojis that show up? 
in your like last used emojis and that's your feeling for the day <laughs> and it, and it's extra challenging because you gotta describe them in a podcast so for mine for example mine is heart eye roll uh happy shy the one the happy one with the pink cheeks and closed <laughs> eyes right so i'm really happy thumbs up okay and bawling crying those are my last six ones so heart eye roll happy thumbs up okay cry i think that's a very good indication that's very very accurate as to where i'm at today that sounds like me in the last hour basically that yeah. like roller coaster <laughs> <laughs> do you have your phone there patty do you have one i do i do and i was uh, just looking them up here so uh, mine is a heart and the emoji where you're laughing so hard that you have tears yeah, coming it, out of your it, eyes. Is it the sideways one or the straight one? The sideways, the, sideways the one. kind of tilted one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, and well. then the winky, the winky one. Yeah. Um, and then the one with the, um, the, the, the big smile like, ah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Grimace. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the, I know it was my turn to kick, cook dinner, but I didn't. Um, and then the last one is uh, crying, the crying one, the one with the tear. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> We're all over the place, aren't we? Yeah, Jeez. really. Which is, you know, kind of explains a lot about COVID. I yeah, think so. it's so accurate. I think so. I what have the heart. Get? My heart is the first one, too. Oh. So I'm I pleased. think we're three for three for hearts. I think we're three yeah, for three. Yeah. My second one is the winky with the tongue out. Um, my third is the eye roll. My fourth is the one with the two fingers up and the thumb, like the hang ten or yeah. right on or radical. Yeah, yeah. Rock and roll. Uh, and then I have the grimace face. I always thought that like the one where, yeah, the one where their their mouth is straight across and the teeth are showing. I always thought that yeah, was that one. this kind of thing. Yee. <laughs> That's what I always <laughs> thought it was. <laughs> it can, well, it can that be. Could fit. That could fit. Yeah. yeah. Um, how many was that? Five. And then my last one was the thumbs up. I always, I actually have this fear that I always read the thumbs up as super sarcastic. So I try not to use it. And I switch to that like hang 10 radical sort of symbol. So, but wait, this is <laughs> hang. This is the hang. Oh yeah. Was, What's this one? Devil? This is rock and roll. Rock and roll. This yeah. is rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. That's this cool. is so you. Like this feels very. <laughs> it is very okay. me. I always feel like when people give me the thumbs up, it's like, okay. Like super sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> Note to self, use thumbs up. Yes. Good to remember. <laughs> and then on All Facebook right. Messenger, if you hold down the thumbs up, it grows. Yeah, and then I'm like, big. the big ones feel super sarcastic to me. <laughs> <laughs> like when they're like, All right, go away now. So clearly I, I read into things too much. So <laughs> So good game. Good game, Tom. That's a good one, yeah. That's a good one. Sweet. I think uh, that our listeners or our moms should also <laughs> comment on, yeah. on Twitter with their thumbs, with their last six emojis at us. Yeah. Nobody else will understand. Just at missed cues and tell us your last six. Yeah. No other context. Tom has a, Tom works in like PR and SEO and stuff. So everything's all about, mm. like, well, I don't know what we hashtag or what we add. What? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do a great job of marketing this show. <laughs> There's so much time. Um, awesome. So, okay. So, uh, Patty Pawn, welcome again. Mm -hmm, Patty. Um, hi. Wait, wait. She is our first uh, uh, 
guest that we're both in on. That's a weird way to put that sentence. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's because usually in the past, our guests I just interviewed, because Tom Uh, was always unavailable. So this is the first time the three of us, (laughs) me and Tom, are interviewing somebody. So you're, you're the inaugural, like actual guest between two hosts so that's exciting um also we switched to the squadcast platform which made it a lot easier for our lives so uh yeah so we're gonna talk so first of all um for those of you who don't know you which i mm-hmm. find that hard to believe but um <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself your role currently and then also like uh tom and i were sort of nerding doing a little bit of facebook stalking and whatnot trying to sure. <laughs> get your bio down <laughs> So if you could maybe give us an overview, and then we might drill into some questions. Okay, that'd be great. Um, So currently, I serve as the president and CEO of Calgary Arts Development Authority. That's our our full name, but we talk about us preferring to go by on a first name basis. So we go by Calgary Arts Development. Um, For all intents and purposes, we are the City of Calgary's Municipal Funding Authority. And our structure happens to be that we're um, uh, set up as an arm's length entity, um, you know, kind of like the Canada Council for the Arts, as an example. And so while we have a very, very close relationship to the city of Calgary, we only have one shareholder, and that's city council. Um, We have our own separate board of directors. We have no... um, uh, uh, relationship when it comes to any of our granting decisions, they're entirely autonomous. And uh, uh, but we do make investments on behalf of uh, the city of Calgary. And I talk a lot about um, uh, CADA is our acronym for short, Calgary Arts Development Authority. Um, and uh, we are, I, I describe us as a public agency stewarding public dollars for the benefit of the public good. And um, and, and public includes artists, right? Artists are citizens, artists are taxpayers, artists are, are people um, who require the same kind of amenities and, and quality of life that any other person would require. So um, I, I'm really intentional about uh, talking about that public good piece and, and making sure that, you know, because we're Calgary Arts Development, our focus is on the arts, our our, our um, mission is to uh, create a, a, a connected, um, uh, a creative and connected Calgary through the arts. So uh, that's something that weighs on my mind uh, a lot, especially these days. Right. Now, mm-hmm. and, and before you were in uh, CADA, um, yep. uh, you've sort of, you were working with ATP, I believe, and, and mm-hmm. yep. uh, Arts Commons, which was called something else back then. Um, and so, you know, Tom and I often talk about like what brings people to theater and why we, and why we enjoy theater and what maybe we get involved in theater. So I'm curious about your start in getting involved, like with your first sort of experience in theater, maybe growing up or university or wherever you were at sure. and, and what sort of drove you to sort of, uh, stay in that lane really. Well, I, I mean, um, I have always been somebody who had the opportunity to um, attend the arts, be exposed to the arts. Um, I was born and raised in Calgary, and my uncle uh, happened to run what was called the Bay Ticket Wicket. So this would have been the precursor to Ticketmaster, where you actually had to go somewhere and line up and buy your tickets 
to whatever an event might be. And uh, so in Calgary, he owned uh, the the box office service. Uh, uh, so because of that, I had an opportunity to see all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing a touring production of a chorus line at the Jubilee Auditorium um, a, a million years ago. I... Um, I saw big bands playing at the Jube. I saw shows at um, the Pump House Theater um, uh, where Joyce and Quentin Doolittle were actually in the house, in the audience, and were still teaching at the University of Calgary. And so um, I, I always had a chance to experience the arts. And um, my mom was somebody who just loved anything live performance. So um uh, when I went away to university, I went to UBC. Um, I had a very, very close circle of friends here in uh, Calgary. And my mom, actually, so in addition to my uncle kind of connecting us to arts activities, he also employed many of us. So I put myself through university in Calgary um, by working at the Ticket Wicket, it was called. Um, and then my mom worked there as well. So the awesome thing was you knew every show that was coming through and you could always get really great tickets, not free. We had to pay for them, but you had awesome tickets. Um, and so I would phone home when I was in grad school in Vancouver and my mom would say, Oh yeah, I went to see Metallica with Todd <laughs> and Todd is my high school friend who's going to a Metallica concert with my mom <laughs> because she just wanted to know <laughs> and she loved going out and, and because my friends all loved her. So anyway, um, so it made for a very, very eclectic kind of um, childhood. And when I, uh, and interestingly enough, when I was in high school and, and junior high, I had nothing to do with drama. I wasn't involved at all. Mm. Um, and it, it really wasn't until I got to university and um, originally, I had enrolled in the social work program. And then I, you know, I wish I could remember why, but before I started my first semester, I switched my major to the BFA program in drama. And I knew I didn't want to be an actor. It was not about performing, but I knew I wanted to be a part of um, um, how that all works, how it happens. And so I actually started as a stage manager and I trained on the technical theater side. Um, in university, and I got the internship at Alberta Theatre Projects that was being offered um, between the University of Calgary and uh, ATP and a bunch of companies at the time, where when you graduated out of the program, they would hire you for a year as an intern. Most of the programs, or sorry, most of the companies would um, say, okay, oh, you want to be a stage manager? So we're, we'll, we'll, we'll apprentice, you'll apprentice for a year. But I chose ATP, or maybe ATP chose me. They offered me the internship. And uh, Michael Dobbin was the artistic, the producing director at the time. And he said, okay, so here's how it's going to work. Um, if you want to be in the theater, you're going to learn about every aspect of the theater. Mm. So even though you want to be a stage manager, you're going to spend um, two months in every department. So um, I was on deck as a as a production gopher. Then I went up to fundraising. Then I worked in marketing and I worked in every department. And that's really how 
I found out about the admin side, the office side. You always know it's there, but of course, for anybody who works in the theater, there's the upstairs and the downstairs, or there's on deck and, you know, uh, over there, the office somewhere. And so, um, you know, I, I, I guess I just discovered that I, I had an affinity for, um, the admin side of it. I, uh, had the great privilege of working with some extraordinary leaders at ATP who taught me tons and tons and tons. And it just, I, um, when my year was up, um, Michael offered me a job in the fundraising department as a fundraising coordinator, uh, not as a stage manager and but the rest, as they say, and I just kind of worked around theater is definitely of the disciplines, the one that I have um, closest to my heart and the thing that I know about and um, have just kind of jumped around until I moved from the producing side or the, the, the um, theater side into um, what I call the art services side. So that could be granting, that could be capacity building, that could be any of those other kinds of things. And, um, Calgary is a pretty interesting place to do that. Like I, you know, I've just been blessed that, um, you know, there's that whole adage about you'll never work in a day in your life if you do something that you love. Hmm. And so, um, I've just been really blessed to, uh, not have to work a day in my life because I've been surrounded by artists like every day surrounded by artists. And I wish I could surround people. I wish I could put um, people who haven't had that exposure to the arts and, and plunk them in that environment, even at the craziest times, um, to just sit them, you know, on a 10 out of 12 day in the theater and watch what happens or sit up in the marketing office during that last minute subscription campaign deadline, you know, the early bird deadline, where if you get your subscription renewal in now, you get the one play free or whatever, like just to experience that piece, um, I think is really, uh, astonishing. And then the the, the last thing I'll say in my very shaggy dog introduction is, um, I, I, I feel like the thing that has kept me in all of this, and it's taken me a long time to figure that out or to figure this out is I think the reason why I've stayed in the arts as much as it's been about the artists and the, and, and the, and the support people who work in the, in the industry and in the sector, it is about a connection. It is about, um, belonging. And, you know, even if you're on a gig where it's, you know, three week rehearsal period, a three uh, and a three, three week run in those six weeks, those people are your universe and you learn so much about each other. Um, as you explore a script or you explore that new dance piece or that concerto. Um, and I don't know that there are many things in this world um, that I have ever experienced that created that kind of instant connection. And, you know, I was just, uh, well, I'm in this day of Facebook, like the artists who will reach out to me from when I was an intern at ATP a thousand years ago. And who strike up a conversation with me like it was yesterday. And it was six weeks, 35 years ago. It's crazy. And it happens all the time in, in the arts world. And um, I just think that's an extraordinary gift. I wish we could find a way to bottle that up and, and share it right now. Because people need more of that.
Yeah, yeah. that's true. I agree. Yeah. Tom and I met on a show and that's how we became friends. And mm-hmm. uh, I have friends from community theater days, you know, 20 years ago that is so, it's such a great friendship, you know, and it's evolved and it's connected and it's stayed. And, you know, I think a lot of us who are involved in the arts have the same story of sort of feeling like an outcast and then finding your people, you know, in, in the, in the theater world. And, for me right now, what I'm realizing is how sick I am of like Zoom theater, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, and like online yeah. theater. And yeah. it's because I think I was starting to feel like maybe 50% or more of what I actually enjoy about theater is the shared experience. Absolutely. In the room. I it it might it's also the art. <laughs> but I think honestly, like the most part that I love is is just being in that room with everybody enjoying the same thing at the same time. And that's what's been really hard in this last year for sure. Completely. And I, I mean, I, there, there have been studies done where they'll look at audiences inside a theater and that um, they'll, I don't know how they monitor it, but they, they put like little um, ECG things and monitors on audience members. And they discovered that after a certain period of time, the audience actually started breathing together, that yeah. there was a unison. <laughs> and that like that's crazy it is crazy but that we, we, is the power right we talked about that in a couple episodes ago tom was talking about it was mm-hmm. something the 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 thing he heard was that uh, the heartbeats were all aligned and yeah my question to that was what does that matter so i'm curious about what your take <laughs> is on that like why is that important because <laughs> i do find it interesting and i like the yeah. sheer experience aspect of it but i'm sort of going well how do you sort of explain that in a way that like I don't know. I guess I'm looking at it as an ROI, which I probably shouldn't, but like <laughs> it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, what's your opinion on like, why does that matter? Why, why, if everybody's breathing at the same time, everybody's heartbeat is, is in sync. Um, because I think there's something like I, 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 well, whether you can look at it from a scientific perspective or you can look at it from a kind of metaphysical perspective. And, and in my mind, I think about like, you know, how, when we talk about wellness, it's that whole mind, body, spirit thing and, and how you line those things up. And when you line them up, that is how you find nirvana or you discover enlightenment or self-awareness, right? So you sit in that dark space, you're being fed by what you're seeing or experiencing on stage. You're having a physical reaction to it. And it's absolutely in sync with everybody else in that space. So you are lining up the mind, the body, the spirit. And I think there's something there. Um, And to me, I actually, that is absolutely the ROI um, that I often talk about. And and in these days in particular, because, you know, um, I'm sure you've looked at that recent series of articles in the Globe um, around the the plight of the arts um, during this pandemic. And... Um, you know, lots of people are asking us now, how, how are we going to turn the corner? What's going to happen coming out of this? And the things I, and, you know, and as much as uh, it's about the, the getting the jobs back and getting people back to work, which is 110% true. More importantly to me, it is about us sinking back up again, reconnecting again, that, that, that alignment. And uh, you can't do that online. It's not possible to do that online. If you were able um, to curious. do that online, I think that 
film would have eaten theater a long time ago. Uh-huh. Exactly, right? And I and, um, can't remember his name, but the artistic director at the Guthrie, right? When when all of this happened a year ago, and, and that, that video was um, going all over social media of him saying, you know, um, there is a name for performance on film or online, and it's called film and television. That's not theater. The act of theater requires you to be in a space together, um, experiencing whatever that is on, on stage or, and around you. And I, I really think there's something to that. And, and I, I hope that, um, the arts community will really take advantage of that. Um, because there's just nothing like it, even, even in sport, it's not the same, right? No. Because there's yep. there's a winner and a loser. And so that adrenaline where if your team wins or doesn't win, there's no sync up. There's no lining up at all, ever. So, you know, the only time maybe it works is it during the Olympics when we're all rooting for Team Canada or something like that, maybe. But again, right, that's replicating what we do. That's not us doing what they do. People aspire to us, even though they don't give us the credit, right? Like you think about the art of cooking, the art of business, the art of dining. That is always the ultimate. That is always the aspiration. So why don't we value the arts more? Why don't we, why don't we as artists and arts champions and talk about that more? Um, that's always, that's, that's a question that's yeah. been on my mind for a long time. Yeah. Same. Yeah. You know, we, we seek this legitimacy from others, but we don't actually give it to ourselves. It's true. So, I mean, how many times do you see, uh, you know, we've talked about this before where you see like memes about um, online about like, Oh, my dad wished I was a lawyer and I went into theater and you're just, do- and it's from an artist and, and you're degrading yourself. Um, I even had a moment where when my son was born, I was stressing about him, like maybe wanting to grow up to be an actor. And then later I was like, no, I'm going to be proud of him. If he goes into theater and to the arts, I'm going to be proud of him no matter what he wants to do. Um, but why would I degrade what I'm doing as a worry of a financial means as a worry of a hard life? It's, it's a valuable thing to have that overview of like performing arts and theater and art you know Mm -hmm. and and even calling it like a soft skill that always like drives me nuts (laughs) I think Tom pointed that out to me the first time they called the it was I think theater in general was called a soft skill or 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 public speaking or something along those lines and and I beg to differ it's freaking hard (laughs) no kidding it's like you go memorize Shakespeare yeah five (laughs) acts of it and tell me that's that's not a hard skill yeah and do it in front of a group of people like exactly (laughs) in 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 unison with somebody else who you're supposed to be responding to like i don't buy yeah um these are you know well even you know back in in time right we often saw artists as as well they were journeymen right the the guilds that these were skills and and in many you know communities now if you think about the japanese theater kabuki right that is passed down through generation of artists of kabuki actors and it's a great honor 
to be the third or fourth generation in the Kabuki tradition. Um, um, you know, there are uh, artists in Korea are recognized as national treasures hmm. and they travel all over the world promoting their art form and promoting um, uh, the tradition of, of their artistry and craft. So, you know, it's not like nobody recognizes the value of artists or nobody understands. Um, uh, but we don't associate the, those kind, that kind of value. And, and I kind of feel like it starts with us in, in the sector. We have to honor that. We have to recognize that. And then others will pick up on it and then they'll start to treat it um, accordingly, right? Uh, I, I'm kind of on this um, leadership thing and I was listening to a podcast uh, today, actually, Brene Brown, and she was talking with Abby Wambach, who was a U.S. Olympic soccer player. And she's uh, released a book on leadership called Wolfpack. And it's five lessons. And um, one of the sort of old ideas that she's trying to change into a new idea is this notion of have gratitude. And, and so that's the old idea. And her new idea is have gratitude, but don't be afraid to ask for what you deserve. Hmm. Artists always have gratitude. Always. They're thankful for the gig. Oh my God, I'm going to have a really great year. Oh, I get to work with that artist. Oh, I get to be in this role in this play or, and, um, I don't know that they always ask for what they deserve. You're, you're and I think we that, need to do that. Uh, when you ask for what you deserve, you might not get asked back, you know, and well, especially, and especially with women, especially with people of color. It's, uh, you just want to take what you can get because there's a scarcity attitude towards those. Exactly. And that is messed up. It is messed up. Yeah. And, you know, and as a, as a public funder, um, I, I, I have to take accountability for that. I have to take responsibility. We have completely set up a system mm. that is about dog eat dog, highly competitive. You know, back to what I said before, athletes and athletic events try to be more like us, not the other way. And here we go and create a system to support artists that is about being more like them and not more like us yeah. as an arts community that is more generative and generous and, and empathetic. Um, and I don't have an answer for what that different system could be. I just know that the one we have right now is wrong. I know that like work. with uh, like I've seen uh, years ago, Simon, Simon bro uh, commented on uh, when they got, when they got their first really big boost with Canada council right around when JT first got in. Um, and a lot of people got like boosts in operating grants and, and he's a big Twitter fanatic. And he was saying that um, I didn't see one person congratulate someone else on getting a grant or getting a boost. Cause we all get the list, right? You know, who's getting what. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that really fascinating. I, I found that I've certainly been guilty of that where you see somebody mm -hmm. who gets a grant and you're like, Oh God, why did they get that? Like I deserved it more, blah, blah, blah. And it's hard not to sort of feel that way. Cause you are being sort of, you are getting picked and choose by your peers in a jury but at the same time, there is a part of me that just goes, well, you know what, I'm just glad that this stuff's getting funded in the first place, you know, so it's a hard balance between that competitive nature, as you're talking about, 
versus being proud of the the funding at all, which I'm not sure is always healthy in terms of that scarcity nature too. It's, oh, yeah. great. Like at least arts are getting funded, but then it's like, well, but I didn't get funded. So we're, you know, and how do you sort of balance that? <laughs> yeah. um, and it's, it's, uh, it is hard. It's a hard system to, to, to comprehend, to feel proud of other people about, to navigate through. Um, it's, it's challenging. I don't know how to work around it either. I, this is the system that I'm used to. This is the system that I, you're used mm-hmm. to. Uh, I don't, you know, it, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't go over well if everybody just got 10% of the pie, right? I don't think that would work either because everybody's different. So I think um, it's a challenging place where you sit in terms of that, that world. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it's a challenging place where we all sit um, in, in, in terms of this, you know, so, you know, earlier when I said we can approach from a scientific place or you can approach it from a, a, a metaphysical, like systems thinking, right? is all the rage. Everyone's thinking about systems and all that kind of stuff. And it's true. There are systems, but if you're going to do that, then you actually have to think beyond the what's in it for me, what's in it for, and, and really kind of think about how as a system we, we serve um, the art form or the discipline or the vision or, or, or the aesthetic or whatever it is that you want to achieve. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, whether it's a colonial mindset or the conquering hero or um, or uh, a supremacy uh, or, or whatever it is, it, again, doesn't honor what it is that the arts do, which in, in my opinion, and each one of us will have a different view, but in mine, it is about connecting us. It is about sharing our lived experience together in a moment in time. Because if we actually thought about that, then I think we would be um, more inclined, not necessarily do it, but we would be more inclined to celebrate those that reach the pinnacle or, um, or take more comfort um, or have more confidence when um, an arts council's budget increases, like the Canada Council, um, because you realize a possibility. I also think that um, it also, you know, Kate, when you were talking earlier about, I, you know, and I, while I might be happy for that that company, I don't, um, I know mine didn't get it, and it's like, well since when did we think the model of everyone has to be a company made sense? If this is about creation, if this is about art making and, and again, I, I'm not suggesting like, I like having a house and a mortgage and security and the prospect of having my friends have families and still be artists. Right. Um, But again, I I just feel like maybe we've painted ourselves into this corner that says, if it's not this, then it can't be anything. Yeah. And, and in other jurisdictions, for what I don't know how they did it, and we're trying to figure that out, but uh, they've managed to not be in that corner, hmm. that there's been more of a kind of fluidity and uh, um, a, 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 an ability to be resilient and, and, and kind of go with a flow. You know, I mean, maybe there's a return to the guilds. 
system. I don't know. Right. Uh, but something that gives us a greater flexibility and doesn't paint us into those corners is something I think we have to think about. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, even being a company is part of being a system too. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Tom, do you have any questions for Patty? I've been. Yeah. In. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a tangent, right. But, uh, um, I'm kind of interested in your your thoughts about this. Um, I last last time we talked, me and Kate, we we, we were kind of talking about um, where the arts and where theater specifically and where the arts are um, because of COVID, right? Um, mm-hmm. Kind of that that state, and I, I'd be interested in hearing kind of your perspective from where you are. What what is what are the challenges that people are having? And um, where are we now? God, how much time do you have? How long is this podcast supposed to go? Um, uh, where to Take start <laughs> would be my, uh, is my response to that. Um, well, you know, I think it, it's, well, okay. So simplistically, not simplistically, uh, the reality that we're facing here in this part in Canada and Calgary, right, is the impact of COVID on the arts was devastating. Um, it was, if not the first, one of the first that was most severely impacted instantly. So, you know, a year ago, two days ago, a year and two days ago, the premier announced the reduced um uh, access and public gatherings at four o'clock and seven thirty that night there were curtains that didn't go up and tickets were being refunded so in three hours you went from knowing what your box office was going to be to probably it being somewhere close to zero depending on where you were in the run on that night and how many performances you actually got in so you had no prospect of when you thought you might be able to sell a ticket again. What were you going to say to sponsors where you couldn't complete the show that they were sponsoring or the program or the youth effort or whatever it was? It all stopped, literally. And all those contracts that everybody signs, what were you going to do now? What was, what was Canadian Actors' Equity going to do? What was IATSE going to say if you were an IA house and you had to stop? How were you going to do those? So there was an immediate impact on on financial um, uh, considerations. There was an immediate impact on your relationship with your audience, with your donors. You had no idea what your public funders were going to say, and we didn't know what to ask. Um, So every relationship you had, you didn't know how you were going to keep your staff or the artists hired. So every kind of steady ground that you had completely went away. And and I don't want to dismiss that others in other sectors were experiencing similar things. But what I know is in this sector, it it pretty much went to zero in less than a day. And here we are a year and two days later. And we see it as a win that we can get artists up to 10 on a stage to do a live stream. 
And yet, I can go to a faith-based service on Sunday or Saturday, and I can watch a choir, and it's all good. We could yeah, we rehearse at IKEA. <laughs> yeah. is my whole thing. And not only can we we can right? have ten people in our space as long as they're three meters apart wearing a mask, which they haven't given us permission yet to not wear a mask in front of that camera. Yeah. So that's that's exactly. where we're at right now. <laughs> and it's probably going to require an exemption. Yeah. Um, they probably like any music performance. They have to have a mask if you've got a camera on. So if it's spoken anything, I suspect you're going to have to have a camera. So like, so not only did we get whammied, and in, again, in Calgary, the whammy of COVID was on top of the whammy of the worst economic downturn in the province since the Depression, which was whammied by um, us barely recovering from the last economic depression, which was predicated on the worst flood in 100 years in 2013. Like, it has been devastating. And I'm not over-exaggerating when I talk about the effect on the arts sector, not just co- and then like, and then throw in a Me Too movement and a Black Lives Matter and the Truth and Reconciliation. And, and again, I'm not saying any of this is wrong or bad or anything, but we're talking about seven years, a span of seven years when this has all happened. And so, I, like, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think the impact and the effect is going to be on the community, right? And um, and even as I think about the actions that I undertook in the organization that I lead, you know, how thoughtful were we about just that whole, like it was one thing on top of another thing on top of another thing. Rather, And so instead of coming up with the cure, we kept putting Band-Aids everywhere yeah. wrapping gauze around it and hoping we could stop the bleed right it's like survive this crisis yeah and and i and i honestly i feel like we're still in that a bit um i will i, feel like I will though, let tom know real quick though like when i first moved to calgary uh, I, uh three years ago it was right at the end of your epic battle with um <laughs> the city and you guys got yep. Yep. way more funding yep. and that was really exciting so mm-hmm. I, I guess that's kind of like wrapping gauze and like bandage cause, <laughs> because it's still unclear if Nenshi's going to run again and we don't know how that's going to go in, with the next election. So I think, uh, but, I, you know, I guess in those cases you take your wins when you can, right? So 100%. And, and you know, and, and to be fair, Kate, you're right. Three years ago, like I will say that when I started in the CEO role in 2013, um, <laughs> 2013, the year of the flood, is when I started yeah. in this room. Um, I, uh, I, I do think we were maybe a little more reactionary um, than being responsive. And I think there's a difference between that. Um, three years ago, you know, again, like I, I talk about the perfect storm, but also in the worst downturn, economic downturn since the depression, the city council chooses to double my budget um, for arts funding. Uh, which was extraordinary. And it was, um, you know, four years worth of work in a systems context that was about trying to look at the whole landscape and find our moments where we could articulate the role and the value 
both intrinsic and, you know, extrinsic or evident, um, that we could share with a, a council who is concerning itself with all citizens. And, uh, and that was quite an extraordinary moment. And, um, and yeah, thanks, Kate, for, for reminding me of that. Uh, you know, these days, Take the wins. Take the wins. It's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. That was exciting, though. And I think, um, yeah, yeah. and that's still going currently. So that's good. So <laughs> it's not getting Just had slashed. it renewed again this year. Yeah. yeah, we're not getting slashed and burned yet. So that's always. Well, and, you know, and we one. were one of the, the few municipalities in Canada uh, that received additional arts funding during COVID, right? We got an additional $2 million last year for COVID relief, uh, COVID response. Um, and uh, that was pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, so so we've we've gone through sort of, you know, seven years of hell and uh, <laughs> in Calgary, yeah. possibly Alberta. And um and then to top it all off, we get a pandemic where everybody gets forced to shut down. We don't even have a chance. To this is all, by the way, this is so biblical. This yeah. is oh. like <laughs> seven years of crap. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so I think like, you know, there's, I'm, I, I, I used to view myself as a, a careful optimistic and now I feel like I'm more of a, a, a realistic pessimist. <laughs> and the, ever since the second shutdown, I really started taking a downturn there. But, um, you know, the, the theory as of this moment is that every Albertan that wants to will be vaccinated by the end of June. Mm-hmm. So, which I still am like, yeah, we'll see. But uh, if that's the case, we start looking at reopening. Um, I know that uh, you, Kata participated in, in a province-wide uh, survey about whether or not audiences want to reopen, um, where they're at. Uh, and this was, this was several months ago. I think this is sort of, uh, remind me, I feel like this survey was, uh, done before we sort of had that light at the end of the tunnel where we, where we well, had a better idea of the vaccinations. Yeah, it's, it's actually a longitudinal study. So, um, we are surveying audience or Albertans, um, where we just, uh, what's the, the last public piece was phase four, and we just are kind of at the point of announcing the results of phase five. And then there'll be one last survey round, probably in the June-ish time, once this vaccination piece has happened or, or wherever they are, they are at. And it was really around Albertans' attitudes towards returning right. to live events. And um, we chose to do it in a longitudinal way because we knew people would feel different in March 2020 than they would in May of 2020 than they would in August of 2020 and and so on. Um, So uh, it's been quite illuminating and uh, the last, the phase four study, and you can find it on the Stone Olufsen website. Um, I can send you the link and you can maybe include it with the podcast. Uh, uh, Phase four, uh, the surveying happened, um, uh, right at the uh right at kind of the christmas yeah the holiday time right yeah so that that desire to like family things and how can we not have christmas and what is this going to be and all those things and even then um the number one factor that people had to wanted to consider before they would return to anything live um was safety 
Hmm. And that you, people had to be reassured of that. Um, the other thing that I found quite interesting is while people indicated, yes, absolutely, we will return. We uh, can't wait to come back. In the meantime, they've found other things to do. And, and some of those things they actually quite like. You know, people have discovered a love of camping or all the bikes that sold out last year or, or whatever, the gardening craze, Sa- all that Sourdough stuff. bread and yep. TikTok. And so, <laughs> um, exactly. So when we return, the challenge for producers and presenters is going to be, if you thought the menu of options for live experiences that people had before was this big, Hmm. It's now this big. Hmm. And so you have the, the, the menu of options that people are going to choose from is massive. And so as a producer and a presenter, how do you cut through that? How do you get to the top of the list of choices? And so this phase five survey that we, we um, sent out is trying to get to that trying to figure out, well, how are Albertans bundling or what are, what's the nature of the experience, right? So um, what we know is um, I want to go do things that I can do with my friends. Hmm. So Chinook Blast, which was this kind of outdoor gathering of installations throughout the downtown core, was completely predicated on that that we wanted to find a safe way where people could do things in their cohort, in their bubble, with their peeps, um, but do it together. But we still had to make sure you couldn't sit and stop anywhere. You couldn't go into a theater. You couldn't do that. So you walked along the street, and but people could walk past and experience these installations and those things. So um, – Phase five research will tell us more. Um, what was great is we have sample sizes that speak to the province, but we also ensured large enough sample sizes for Edmonton and Calgary. So um, Calgary, Calgarians are more eager to get going, to get stuff, to get to do things. Um, but the safety piece is still um, really important. And, you know, yeah, even if people get vaccinated by June, right, that's not 100%. That's only the people who want to be vaccinated. So the, the return to public events is going to be graduated. It, it won't be all at once. And so, um, you know, I think we're seeing um, companies who have seasons, as an example, are trying to figure out, well, what does that hybrid look like? Some online. So do you think, do you think it'll be a... Uh... Like they're only going to allow, like say in September, where no, a lot of companies would traditionally start a season. Yeah. They're still only going to be allowed to have like 20, 30%. That w- it will be a percentage. I don't know it what it will be. be a re- oh, no. Hmm. I don't think we'll see that until um, 2022. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. I just can't imagine it. Well, again, right? We, even today, we just, we had an increase. Right. in number of COVID cases and the positivity rate went from 4.5% to 5.5% in a day. And it's not like it was a weekend and we didn't have any people working or anything like that. It was a Monday to a Tuesday. So, um, you know, uh, someone said to me like COVID's not going anywhere just cause we all get vaccines. And by the way, we're going to have to get them again next year. 
and the year after. And the variants are going to continue to be more virulent. So as, an, as a sector and as an industry, we have to learn how to create art in a time of pandemic, in a time of COVID. Right. And um, so that is not going to be, you know, the plexiglass. I hope people have source suppliers who can replace that stuff when it gets all cloudy and yucky or somebody's going to come up with a new innovation. Um, the mask wearing, I don't think is going away for audiences. And, you know, I don't know what you do about social distancing for, for your ensembles and, and, and groups. So um, this is pretty like, you know, it's a long game here. This is not just, okay, we just got to get to September of 2021 and we can all start up again. Um, and that's certainly something that we've been advising um, companies and artists to think about. Hmm. Um, and, you know, Calgary is a winter city. So how do you be outside in winter? Um, yeah. How do you create those opportunities? Um, uh, and, and if anybody can figure it out, an artist is going to figure it out. Yes. And producers, artists and impresarios, they're going to figure it out. They're the ones who figured out, you know, like mass vaccination sites, stadiums. Who runs stadiums? Arts technicians, IATSE technicians. They're the ones who figured it out. Yeah. Right? Live industry presenters. They're the ones who figured out the venue needs and HVAC and all the proper precautions and all those things. Right? Netflix. Film producers figured it out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, again, why are we not taking the credit? I why know. aren't we yelling that from the rooftops instead of saying, oh, poor me, we can't have more than 10 people on our stage. Like, <laughs> it just drives me crazy that, um, and, and so that's, that's certainly something that I hope we can do as, uh, you know, an art service organization. We get to see the landscape in a way that's very different. Um, and, and so we're trying to figure out ways where we can really kind of encourage and rile up the sector, <laughs> right? Like it, and I, I, I'm sorry to pick on other industries and there's anybody listening here from gym people and I'm gym people. So I know, but no one's like, how is it people. that a gym is open? How <laughs> I know. is that possible? And a theater is not open. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's insane. low impact exercise, like my eyeball. You are on a treadmill. You are breathing hard. I don't care. And we can't let people sit in a theater seat, six seats apart, yeah. watching people that are 40 feet away from us on a stage. <sighs> like what kind of science is telling you there's a difference? And the difference is the fitness industry is super organized and they came out guns a blazing and saying, this is our industry. This is what we do. And we are a force. Yeah. You know, the arts. Same with the, restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the live arts industry in, Can in, in Alberta is 60,000 strong. How do we get there? How do we get these kick-ass lobbyists and these people standing behind us and being louder and more pushy and honest about, because I also don't like, I don't want to be somebody who's a whiner. That's certainly not the right. way to go. You, you know, when we're when we're all standing there hat in hand, begging the government for more money with no valuable data behind it, then that's when we lose. But when we when we stand behind it, you know, with our valid 
data-driven, intrinsic, non-intrinsic values for them that mm-hmm. they can't disagree with, you know, how do we get behind that? Like, this is, this is a thing. I'm not good at it. I always think that I'm good at it, but I'm not. But I always try to like, I want to be that. I want us to be there. I want us to have that, like, that lobbyist that is somebody who will go to Jason Kenney, someone who will go yep. to Justin Trudeau or whoever, or, or Aaron O'Toole or whatever we're doing and say, like, you can't ignore me anymore. I'm just as powerful as the bartenders association or whatever. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I think it's something you said early, early on Kate um, in, in our conversation, which is the, you know, it's, it's, it's that I get that, you know, I want to celebrate us or yeah. that we all, that the council got more money, but I got to think about me. And, and those two things shouldn't be mutually exclusive. You're right. There's no reason why you can't do both. And quite honestly, and I said it myself, um, this idea of advocacy being on the corner of your desk, if you are an arts leader and it doesn't move right smack square on the center of your desk, you are not doing your job. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. The whole fitness industry. Why do we not have a Canadian conference for the arts anymore? Calgary can barely have a, a kind of coalition of arts. It's it's just in its nascent stages again after being completely gone for I think ten years, maybe longer. As a community and a sector, if we cannot get it together enough to to say all of the things that the three of us have been talking about this last hour, then it's our own fault. Oh. It really is. I'm like hot and- now. This is too much, Patty. <laughs> Just getting me okay. all riled up now. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm oh glad. My God. That's what I want to do. I, you times like a thousand oh, need I'm to be it. riled I'm up. It. I'm on you know? it. I so just maybe gotta, this is. We'll get this, some flags. Maybe this is and... a, a, a good way to like uh, kind of as a final question, right? Like because we are, there's obviously going to be the challenge of getting audiences back and there's going to be the audio the, the challenge of getting theater companies uh, uh back on their feet as well but is there a challenge as well in getting artists back like have artists gone like have artists found something else like are are artists going to be coming back and like are is there going to be like part of that's yeah. the job now as well as bringing people home yeah because well, there was a lot of there was a few people that were doing like switching career seminars yep you know for artists and i was like no (laughs) but what what, you got to pay your mortgage you know so yeah exactly you know like the actors fund of canada is doing webinars on how to switch careers like that again is messed up that is messed instead we should have been doing webinars about (laughs) how to advocate for a universal basic income for artists yes Yes. Holy right? fucking shit. That's I, what they you do. know, Theater Alberta was running a webinar. They were asking about web- running a webinar on how to yeah. change careers. And I phoned David Van Bell, who's a, who's a pal of Ghost River Theater. I phoned him and I was like, why are you doing this? This is showing people that this is showing non-art supporters that we can easily just jump ship and that we don't value anymore. We're not, we, we don't matter anymore. It was the same thing that Tom and I were talking about with the Rio theater in Vancouver Mm -hmm. saying we're a sports bar now. And I had a lot of 
I was pissed off about that because it's showing publicly that arts don't matter and you can just switch to being a sports bar. You can just switch to being like a freaking accountant or whatever you want to do yeah, yeah. on the side or or whatever you choose. And and maybe this is a marketer. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> like a Tom. Sure. That was before COVID, Tom. But but I think yeah, I was I, a sellout to begin with. <laughs> But I, I worry that like like if you if you don't if you don't love something anymore, sure, like leave it. That's totally cool. Yeah. Fine. You can switch careers. But if you're leaving it, you're exactly right. Like I was really mad that it wasn't about how to keep how to sort of maybe change the way that you're looking at acting right now or performing or the way that you're looking at your artistry right now to keep going. How do we go back to funders and say, give us more money so that we can come back to this when we're done? Because we are important. And I didn't know the Actors Fund was doing that. That's freaking. Really it was upsetting. way back, and uh, and I think they maybe they, I think they thought about it. I don't know that they ever did it. We, um, I, I, you know, I just like you, you. You have people in the community who are friends, and I just went, oh, "That is, like, we can't do this. We 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 can't perpetuate our own inferiority complex." There's enough people out there who are going to do that for us just fine. We don't need to help them. And, um, you know, and, and I think, Tom, to your point about will artists come back, I have this belief that true artists, and I believe that there are, you know, there are the artist wannabes, and then there are artists. Um, artists are artists all the time. And whether you're in marketing, whether you're sitting behind a, a box office desk, whether you're sitting in an, an accounting office to make ends meet, you are still an artist because you have an artist's heart. You have an artist's aesthetic. Um, you know, I talk about artists or artists, whether they're buying groceries, whether they're going to the PTA meeting or whether they're rehearsing and they're, they're doing the 10 out of 12. You're always an artist. And so it, it um, it's it, like to me, being an artist is a state of being. It is a, it is, it, it, it's something, it's who you are. It's not what you do. And so those artists will always be around. And our job then as arts champions, as arts supporters, as impresarios, is to find them and then create the conditions where they can thrive. And what this time has done, in my opinion, is it has afforded the likes of me um, as a funder to think about, okay, how can our systems help find those artists, find those constituencies? And create those conditions to support them, and um, and they'll come, they'll be here, and I know that because I've experienced it. Yeah, we, I'm sure all three of us have experienced that moment when you're either on deck or you're in the house, and your life is different because of that performance. And I it, I know for somebody who hasn't experienced that, they'll just go, "That is complete bullshit," but it's not. And you know it when you experience it. You know it and you can ask anybody who's experienced it and they will tell you or they'll nod and go, yep, yeah, yeah, I can tell you the show. I can tell you where I was. I can tell you when it was, all that stuff. And that's what we need. That's what this world needs more of. And, and here we are, three people who have the power to provide that to our community. And how, and how many more of us do we all know in this circle who could do that? And, um, yeah, and 
<laughs> yeah, now here's where the expletives come up. We have, as a sector and as an industry, we have got to get our shit together. And I'm including me in that as a funder. I have got to find a better, more equitable, inclusive way of granting, of supporting those artists that I was describing earlier. And right now, it is a bit of a free-for-all in, in, term, in terms of, well, not free-for-all. I wish it was a free-for-all. Actually, it might be easier. <laughs> Um, those well, that there, have there's some big forms we have to fill out there, Patty. Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> right. That you got to tick every box and you gotta, and if you were in before you're in and that shuts the door on anybody else. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why we launched a program in February that is about closing. Mm-hmm. How can we support you to close and actually make it okay? Not everybody has to stay open. And nor should they, quite frankly. And um, not everybody has to be exactly the same structure they were they were um, in March 2020 as they will be in April of 2021. Not like I, we don't have to be that. No one who has said that you have to be that. Yeah. And we gotta kind of let ourselves go and and let ourselves imagine again realize the possibilities again no one's going to do that for us and nor should they because who are the best at it artists are best at that and so how do we how do we free them to do that and there could basic income supplement might be one way to do that rethinking operating funding might be with the community might be one way to do that in um in addition to supporting emerging artists maybe we also support retiring artists or Instead of supporting new, com- in, in addition to supporting new companies, we also support closing companies. Like you, if, you, if we're going to be system thinkers or we're going to line up mind, body, spirit, or we're going to do whatever, then you have to actually look at the whole picture, mm-hmm. not just you or this city or this s- discipline. It has to be the whole thing. Um, and that is super, super hard and way, way scary. And God knows we've all been living in fear for long enough. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, for those of us who maybe have that conviction or feel like we can find allies, co-conspirators, I, I really urge all of us to f- go find them. I mean, Even if it's making one little difference, go find them and do something. Don't rely on kind of before times because they're super gone yeah yeah we can't be afraid patty tom okay dropping them dropping the <laughs> mic <laughs> yeah incredible this we're just awesome. we're just scratching the surface i feel like we could just keep I could, talking I it's amazing i'm like so hot right. and like worked up right right now. <laughs> i think uh uh let, I, I want to. I want to pose one last question to you, Patty. Before okay. We, before sure. we close, uh, what's what's this good thing that has come out of COVID and theater right now? What's one What's one transition or change that you think that you've seen that you went, oh, it's about time, or oh, that's great. Um, I think one good thing uh, that has come out of this is, um, you know, just as we were all heading into that first wave of lockdown, um, we all saw how citizens leaned on the arts in all kinds of ways. So, uh, you know, yes, it was about binging on Netflix and 
watching, you know, old episodes Tiger and King. reruns of what, yeah, exactly. Yes, it was that, but it was also about, um, Matt Masters and his curbside concerts. And it was about people picking up the paintbrush that they hadn't picked up in 20 years. And it was about, um, kids getting out on the sidewalk and coloring Mandy Stobo's daily portraits, um, and printing them off. And it was about, um, uh, all the music that was created in this time uh, to describe how we're all collectively feeling. Like, like th- there, there does seem, there was this kind of organic reconnecting to our creative capacity, whether it was as an audience member or um, a practitioner in your own way, however that might be. Um, that was really great. Like there were very, very few people that I came across um, in, uh, in in the world who didn't have some kind of an artistic connection that was helping them cope hmm. um, during COVID. And uh, that was really nice to see because I don't often, um, you know, we see all the stats that say 82% or 90% of Calgarians engage with the arts. And it's like, be damned if I can tell you, you know, before 2019, where that was, or before 2020, how that was, other than the audiences that we add up in all the reports you fill out and all those pages. Um, but we really saw it in action um, this past year. And that gives me hope. That says that's why the city council doubled our funding. Great. Because that's how the arts serve the public good. That is how the arts are a public benefit. And we saw it happen over and over and over again. And let me tell you, I'm going to be singing that from the rooftops um, when we gather with a, a, council, a new council in the fall. If, if Nenshi steps down, can you step in for him? Can you run? <laughs> yeah. No. Thank you very much. It's like someone, people ask you, you should run for office. And it's like, why don't you like me? Why don't I, have I done something to offend you? Um, well, I didn't mean it. Whatever. I'm sorry. But I, yeah. I think I, I was promoting you on Twitter when Jeremy Farkas first announced his uh, running. And I was like, no, I'm like, Patty Pond. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. You know, the pro- part of doing the job that That's I do. That's a grimace emoji. Yeah, exactly. That's the one. That's exactly it. I'm, gonna put that, I'm putting that in right now. Right now I'm putting that in. Um, it, it, it's uh, a boy, oh boy, to be a politician these days. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And I have a great deal of admiration um, for those who do, regardless of where they might be on the spectrum. For me, it's like I've flown too close to the sun. Yeah. <laughs> I know too much. And it's like, nah. <laughs> oh but goodness. I will encourage and support anybody who has that aspiration because I think it takes um, some very special people to have that uh, desire and that fortitude yeah. uh, to to, you know, serve in that way. Yeah. Yeah, for real. The public scrutiny would not be nice. Oh, I, 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 yeah. And look at everybody, like anybody who runs for more than four years on council, look at their gray hair. Just look at that. <laughs> look at the, the lines, around, you know, the bags under their eyes and the lines all around them. It's like, nope, 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 nope. 
Even Trudeau looks like a bit of a mess these days, you know, and he's in his second term, so. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah, it just, you know, Barack Obama, he's the one. Like, you see him when he was first elected, and what happened? And oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like, it's his his grandfather. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you. Good thing he played basketball. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. Tom, did you have any final thoughts, questions? No, I, I I feel like you've left me with a lot of stuff here. No, that's great. <laughs> super, super I, it's pumped. Great. Good. Yeah. Right, like I, I'm, I'm like, what I want is uh, for you not to be standing alone when you go and advocate, right? Like, and and I think that that's that that's exactly what we wanted out of this episode was to figure out, like, get some real, like, what do we need to do, and what we need to do is we need to organize and advocate for ourselves and and be gym membership, be gyms. Uh, absolutely 100% there's lots of models out there that we can follow it's not like we have to recreate the wheel um and uh, and we have the chance to actually do it better yeah uh, but we we need to be that force we need to be that movement that coalition um and uh and we're a force we are a force are just a force. not just always grateful right like that's your thing yeah. like you started with saying like it's great to be grateful yeah it's great to be grateful don't be fucking always grateful yeah. be something else too <laughs> be pissed off that we don't have that like there's not enough like demand what you off. deserve right demand what you deserve we yeah, deserve be to be valued and we will we deserve to fight for it as well yeah and and know that there are those of us who are right there with you who will do whatever we can to um uh validate that and 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 give it its legitimacy and the data and uh, all the other stuff that you need to go with it. But we need that passion and that emotion and that creative spirit to really lead us. We'll have your back. I'm in. Let's do it. it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we'll go market yeah, it tomorrow. <laughs> Done. Thank you so much, Patty. This You're has been great. Wonderful Thanks talking for to having you. me. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for coming. Miss Q's. <laughs>